I looked almost as young as you all in that antique video. Um, this is really an interesting experience. I'd, I've not had much experience uh, public speaking, and I've looked around for all kinds of clues and people I see around. Uh, I noticed uh, three Nobel Prize winners were making notes. Maybe that's how they got there. I, I madly made notes before I got up here. Um, uh, but I have prepared something, and I'm going to kind of depart for it a little, from a little bit when I feel like I need to, but I, I, I would, been, would have been consumed by insecurity if I didn't have something written down for you all. There is an enormous gap here. Those of us who are being honored today are so much older than you are. When we look out at all of your faces, we're cheered by your hopefulness and our sense of the excitement of your prospects. We remember what it was like to have our entire lives ahead of us. But I have an uncomfortable suspicion that when you look at us, you get no such feeling. You think that while we may once have been young and filled with dreams as you now are, that something has happened and we have become some other type of people. What we know and what you probably don't know is that we are the same people we were when we were your age and we are filled more or less with the same hopes and anxieties with which we left school. The veterans you see before you wheezing under the weight of their medals, their degrees and their honors are really just disguised high schoolers. Merle Haggard once said that gradually the body wants to die, but the mind just doesn't want to go along with it. Another perception you may have is that we are more or less sane and that you are secretly crazy. Many of you feel that one of the tensions of your lives lies in reconciling the external impression which you make with an often contradictory interior life, and that this amounts to a form of private craziness. I want to reassure you by telling you that we're crazy too, and that this is a fact that we have held even from our families. I hope that by now you have discovered some of the excitement of being out of step with the rest of the world, of going west when everyone else is going east. I don't mean blind rebellion. I mean the sense of conviction that allows you to allow an idea in the face, to, allows you to follow an idea in the face of a certain amount of adversity and unpopularity. I understand that you are all outstanding students. I was an outstanding student, an outstandingly bad student. My grades were so terrible that one professor gave up on the usual grading system and gave me an FN, which stood for flagrant neglect. <laughs> At the end of my first semester in college, I returned from Christmas vacation and found tacked to the door of my dormitory room a note from the resident advisor. The note said, home. I went to the resident advisor and I asked him what that meant. He said, it means go home. So I went home to rethink my life. This going home to rethink my life has been a chronic theme for me. Gradually, I began to learn enough flexibility to apply myself to things by which I was not necessarily fascinated. I suppose this is a kind of maturity, this flexibility. For example, you are not just going to practice your guitar while imagining yourself in front of 100,000 adoring fans. You're also going to greet your parents. You will eat regularly. You will floss between meals. You will pass physics. The second part of this homemade definition of maturity is that you must learn to give people the bad news. As you go through life, and especially as you are increasingly achieved or accomplished or successful, you'll find that there are 
more and more people anxious to co-opt you to their own ends. You'll find yourself inextricably involved with people with whom you do not wish to be involved. You feebly hope that they will, quote, take the hint, unquote. I'm here to tell you from the august vantage point of 53 years of age that in general the theys of this world don't ever take the hint. You must be mature and you must give them the bad news. You must also be prepared to look at that flagrant neglecter seated next to you as he or she may contain a surprise. The achievement measuring systems within which you have distinguished yourselves are thoroughly valid, but they are imperfect and you'll have to learn to look beyond them. The Indians of the Northern Plains whose ancestral lands you now occupy felt that a life lived without a personal vision was a life that was not worth living. They were right. You must live and work with as much distinction as you are able, but arching over that, a vision is required. And unless you are a saint or a zealot or a mystic, you will probably have to work at achieving a vision. You will probably have to earn a vision. You may discover that it's a love of science or art or a family or a hard-bitten commitment to public service or even to the well-being of the earth. But lining your pockets will not be enough. I'm afraid no level of material achievement can ever be enough. A vision is required to provide an ongoing supply of energy and desire, a bulwark against despair, and, endure, and an enduring sense of accomplishment. As I suggested, the Native American people of this region made this idea the center of their lives. When you go back outside today, have a longer look at their world, their laboratory, and set out to renew, or if necessary, to begin to invent a vision for yourselves. Do I have a dream? I'm getting there. I'm close, I think, and I dream of carrying my grain of sand to the millennial mountain of literature, that form of art with the most democratic and accessible of materials, pencils and paper. Remember that what Jean Cocteau said, that an artist should never do anything hard. Uh, this misleading remark suggests that we don't have to be Puritans as Americans forever. We can actually learn to love what we do, have a sense of fun, uh, and have a sense of joy about what we achieve. Thanks very much.